my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. The big question for the week, does the Bible say anything about world environmental issues? This week we're talking who rightly owns the world and all that is in it. What is mankind's appointed role? That was yesterday. Today we're talking why won't green political solutions work? And tomorrow, what is the biblical solution? Our co-host today is Pastor David Butcher. David's the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia. Welcome to you, David. Good afternoon, Gary. It's great to have you on board again. It's good to be sitting opposite you with a big smile. Oh, yeah. No, it's fantastic to have you in the studio uh, today. Uh, David, what have you been doing the last week? Uh, Last weekend, I, uh, I hear you were online again. Yes, preaching online. It's a different experience, isn't it? You're spending a lot of time online lately. Yes, uh, preaching and work-wise, but preaching is is an interesting dynamic. Okay, okay. So what were you preaching last weekend? Yes, so last weekend, last Saturday, I was preaching on Hebrews 12, verses 16 to 17, looking at um, the life of faith versus the life of someone that chooses the opposite, looking at Esau, how he gave up his birthright, something that he couldn't yet see or touch. Um, He gave that up for for what was immediately in front of him, a bowl of beans, Genesis 25. And there's something that do that. Yeah, and, and so Hebrews 12 talks about what Esau gave up. Uh, but Hebrews 12 begins by saying, look, let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the faith chapter of chapter 11. So it was looking, looking at the really real, looking at the things we can't see that are actually really real. They're tangible, even though we can't physically touch them, but by faith we have access to them. By faith we have assurance and certainty of them. Okay. I'm interested the platform that you were you were using. Now, you were preaching on the Living Ministry Media or website. That's correct, yes. And they've got some studios here in Adelaide, television studios. Okay, okay. Just tell us a little bit about Living Ministry Media, will you? Yeah, they're, they're a ministry that has worked in South Australia, um, other states of Australia as well, travelling to do filming. They're a specialised team of, um, of uh, professionals and also volunteers that record events, put them online, particularly um, religious material such as evangelism, uh, sermons, evangelism initiatives and, and preaching initiatives. And um, so in Adelaide here they um, have been... Um, putting stuff on Faith FM for a number of years out mm-hmm. of the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church. But uh, recently, of March this year, we've, uh, they've finished a studio here in South Australia, in Adelaide, and um, have putting, been putting services and sermons online every single Saturday. Yeah, it, it's wonderful material that's actually going up there too. I think there's some, some really fantastic uh, preachers that are up there. Um, so, so, David, I... Um, congratulate you for, uh, for for preaching on the Living Ministry Media site. Uh, David, just tell us something. How do you find preaching online? Look, it was interesting. I preached a series on April uh, 14 to 18 on, on the story of Elijah, and it's on livingministrymedia.com. Living Ministry Media, in fact, in fact, if people do a search for Living Ministry Media, yes. uh, they can actually uh, download all that's there. And there's a huge amount on yeah. that site. I think it's from memory, LMM, 
livingministrymedia.sa.com.au, livingministrymedia.sa.com.au. Um, yeah, preaching in front of a camera with no audience is is different. And I do... I am a preacher that likes to interact with my audience and challenge them and put some barbs out there and get some responses, keep them awake. Uh, but preaching in front of a camera is different. However, I've, I've quite enjoyed it. Uh, I believe I still p- preach with the same passion. Um, but there are some illustrations where I'm after responses that you have to be mindful. I can't use that. Yeah, I suppose, uh, David, the thing that uh, this reminds me of, because I've done a little bit of preaching now in front of the camera as well, and uh, the unfortunate thing when I first did it, I recall being at uh, at college doing my degree, and in those days they did a terrible thing to us. They required that we actually stand in front of the camera. We preach our sermons in front of the camera, and then the, the problem with those sermons is they'd then play them back to the entire class who would then crypt you. Uh, that was my memory of preaching in front of a camera. So I've, I've got to admit, this was a this was a brand new uh, experience for me again. Yeah, and look, I remember going through theological seminary with the same experience, and I've got a video somewhere. We talked about hell last week uh, in, in, in this uh, series, and uh, it reminds me of hell. Going back and looking at that first sermon of mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's a challenging time. But look, let's come to just something that's happening in our world right now. I, uh, I I'm really quite surprise some of the some of the material that is happening just this morning i read uh, something that ben carson said and uh, ben carson of course is a uh, is an american he's uh, uh he's an afro um he's a, an afro american uh he's a individual who's a neurosurgeon uh, a very talented man of course he's in uh, um don donald trump's uh, cabinet but he came out and made a statement. It went like this. America needs to grow up and stop being offended by everything. Now, I would love to get your feedback on this. This is, this is what he said. He's the Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. And uh, he urged Americans to stop being offended by everything. And he said, grow up. Uh, he made the comments on the ABC um, news program uh, after being asked about President Trump's acceptance speech being scheduled at the same place as a, uh, a black civil rights uh, protesting um, uh, many years ago. And the question was, is it appropriate to be having a convention speech on that anniversary in that city? In reply, what Carson said was, we've reached a point in our society where we dissect everything and try to ascribe some nefarious notion to it. We really need to move away from that. We need to move away from being offended by everything, of going through history and looking at everything, of renaming everything. I mean, think about the fact that some of our universities, he said, some of our prestigious universities have a relationship with the slave trade. Should we go and rename those universities? It really gets to a point of being ridiculous after a while, he said. And, you know, we're going to have to grow up as a society. We have to stop putting uh, everything into the arena of combat. I found this to be very insightful. We have to stop putting everything into the arena of combat. Let's see if we can find a way to work together, because if we don't, we're doomed. You know, David, do you feel that 
there's an element of truth in what he's actually saying. So that last comment about combat again, do you want to read that again, Gary? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What he said was this. Uh, we have to stop putting everything into the area of combat. Let's see if we can find a way to work together, because if we don't, we're doomed. Look, I do agree with that. And... Um we live in an area that uh, sorry we live in an era that espouses diversity that espouses uh, people having their own choices and freedom of thinking and yet often in reality what plays out is something completely different mm. uh, and i think i said last week that um we need to learn from history uh, and we need to not go down some of the same paths uh, we know differently. Slave trading is wrong. Uh, all of these sorts of things. Apartheid is wrong. We need to learn from the mistakes, but we shouldn't be uh, abolishing the records of history mm, mm. just because someone chooses to become offended or they've been hurt by it. Now, we need to minister and connect with those people that have been hurt, like stolen generation and all sorts of things. Yeah. But we don't remove the history we yeah. learn from it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a really important point for the world in which we're living. You know, David, I'm conscious that uh, even within Christianity, you know, some of the battles that have actually taken within Christianity are something that we look back on and we say, hey, uh, that's not something I, I treasure. It's not something that I hold with pride because Christianity has made uh, many, many mistakes. Uh, do you think uh, there's, a, there's a lesson in this uh, for Christianity? There, there is. There is a lesson. Uh, we need to be mindful of what we say, particularly as we live in a, in a culture that is particularly um, becoming – Christianity is no longer in the public sphere, in the marketplace. So we need to be mindful of what we say, but we still need to be able to speak the truth in love. I mean, we need to remember what Jesus did. He would call some of the religious leaders in his day um, uh, vipers and, and sepulchres, whitewashed tombs, gravestones. Now um, – how would that go down today? That's, uh, that's certainly very true, isn't it? I mean, that's incredibly challenging because that's certainly what did happen uh, and Christ was the one who actually did it. You know, I, I just wonder, uh, Peter in, uh, in one of his letters uh, says, says this and he's talking about this, this fact of, uh, of sharing. And I just wonder what it's saying to you. First uh, Peter chapter three fifteen says this: "But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defence." So here's this you know opportunity to be able to share what it is that we believe to everyone who asks a reason for the hope that is in you, but do it with meekness and fear. What does that actually mean? I think it's about not being bombastic. Uh -huh. It's not about a superiority complex. It's not dealt in that way. Now, you can say the same thing with, in two different tones, uh, ultimately meaning two different things. We shouldn't shy away from the truth that is revealed in Scripture. We shouldn't shy away for a defense of the faith that we have. But we also need to deliver that in a loving manner. Now, Jesus, when he called the Pharisees what he did, um, I'm sure he would have had tears in his eyes as he said those words. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But one of the things that I'm very conscious of is that uh, sometimes in the day and age in which we are living, uh, we can actually be found, uh, be seen to be intolerant just by disagreeing with somebody else. And yet the opposite can also be true. If someone calls us intolerant, what are they actually being? 
Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's actually a very good question, actually, mm-hmm. David. Yeah, thank you so much for that, David. Really appreciate the, your comments there. Let's come to some music. Uh, this is uh, Bill and Gloria Gaither. Uh, this could be uh, the breaking of the day and until then. Oh 
Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q&A with Pastor Gary, our co-host today is Pastor David Butcher. And David's the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia. And our big question for this week, does the Bible say anything about world environmental issues? And particularly today, why won't green political solutions work? You know, it's a subject that the elite really can't stay quiet about. On Monday, we chatted about Greta Thunberg, who at 16 has become an environmental activist. Yesterday, we noticed that Pope Francis is making major statements on the environment. Just recently, I read a book on the impact of population on the environment. You know, these books go into incredible depth. This was what one of them said. This is from the book, The Little Green Handbook, that I uh, uh, had opportunity to uh, to work my way through. How fast? It was talking about world population and particularly the impact of population uh, on uh, the environment. And this is what it said. How fast is global population increasing? Over countless generations, global population was below 100 million. The annual increase was negligible and there was always enough room for everyone. The first sign that this near-stable situation was about to change occurred during the second millennium. By 1500, global population had reached about 500 million. And 200 years later, it was 600 million. So it took about 200 years to put on that additional million. Then about 1800, it shot up to the thousand million mark or the first billion people, even in those early stages of growth of global population. This unusual increase was described as a population explosion. Little did we know how accurate that description was. The explosion was confirmed about 1930 when we reached the second billion. From that time, the global population increased at breathtaking rate to reach 6 billion at the end of 2000 and it's approaching 7.5 billion today. When presented in graphic form, the global population shows a dramatic and rapid change from an almost horizontal line to an almost vertical one. Global population is shooting towards infinity as, and we cannot have an infinite number of people on the earth. A breakdown in one form or another will have to occur, and this book says, and soon. You see, Apparently, greater population equals greater demand on the environment. But surely we can change our policies. I was I was interested as that uh, book continued to uh, uh, to talk, and uh, and this is uh, is something else that that it said. The important point it said was that changing our behaviour, we could change the progression of the critical global trends and events given the population. And we could turn danger into an opportunity. But to do this, we would have to work against our natural tendencies and inclinations. And then came the paragraph that really jumped out at me. This is what they said. One aspect of our behaviour is relatively benign. We want to make our lives more comfortable and more pleasant. That's fine. However, there's a more sinister aspect to human nature, reflected in greed, 
hatred, selfishness, lack of cooperation, revenge, fighting, evil doing, and pleasure in hurting others. If we want to secure our future, we will have to change that way of relating to each other. Now, when I read this, something jumped out at me because I suddenly realised that there is a huge issue here, a huge unresolved problem that we're in fact having to deal with. David, we're talking today, green political uh, solutions. We're suggesting, is there a reason why green political solutions aren't going to work? There is, and it comes back to that last statement you read, um, the human condition. Uh, by nature, we are evil. Uh, the Bible says in Jeremiah 17 verse 9, it says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Desperately wicked. Who can know it? So by nature, we are evil. We don't have the power within ourselves to accomplish and fix the world's environmental problems. But that's something that's not very positive, David. I'm so conscious that we like live in a world where we like to be you know, relatively positive, and that's not painting a very positive picture. Human nature in and of itself is one that looks out for itself, mm. one that looks out for me. Yeah. Uh, you think of all the eye products we have and the vehicles, the eye this, the eye that. It's aimed at human nature. Mm. Um, and by nature, we are greedy. By nature, we are selfish. And I guess for me, a definition of selfishness is really sin. Yeah. And the eye is the middle, middle letter of the word sin. So by nature, we are greedy. By nature, we are selfish. And greed doesn't – greed is – selfishness and greed are opposite to the attributes that God has. And so unless we experience a life with God, we will never ultimately be able to fix the um, devastation uh, that has resulted in the environment, the, the number of animals that have become extinct, uh, our flora, uh, our trees, etc., that, that are um, being cut down. We'll never be able to fix that in and of ourselves, even with the best intent, because man's mm. nature yeah. Yeah. is the problem, the ultimate problem. In other words, what we've got here is a is a, and this is being identified within the Christian scriptures. Well, I think is actually so important, and you, the number of practical examples can actually just be just be multiplied. You know, I, I suppose I, I just come back to you know the the book that I was I was reading, and uh, it, one one of the things that they were talking about was the issue of, of hunger. Hunger affects about a hundred and fifty million children. Uh, and kills about 3.4 million every year. About five and a half, um, about five and a half thousand children die each day because of diseases of uh, uh, that come from polluted air, water, and food. Uh, you know, I, I'm conscious that even in our country here, David, um, we have got um, we have got a huge number of people that are really struggling. We do. And yet if the world, there is enough resources in the world if they were distributed equitably. Uh, I was reading something earlier today that in the 1960s um, uh, to now, the food consumption on average per person, per person has increased dramatically mm. uh, in, you know, in the last five or ten years compared to the 1960s. Mm. And yet has it done us any good? Yeah, yeah. So, so we have 
there are those who have and there are those who have not, and the divide is getting bigger. And again, um, we need to care for our environment, but all of these things won't ultimately fix it because the real problem is human nature. And the Bible talks a lot about greed, Gary. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and greed is, is, is the opposite, as I said earlier, to what God would have. First um, John 2.16 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of God. Uh, sorry, is not of the Father, but is of the world. So all of these things such as uh, lust and pride and coveting after things, this is all greed, mm. doesn't come from God. It's the direct opposite. Mm-hmm. It comes from the world. So greed is not from God. Uh, and greed is at odds with godliness. Mm. Uh, and I guess selfishness is at the heart there. Second Corinthians 9 verse 7 says, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave. God is a generous God. He gives. And yet greed is the opposite to that. It's at odds. Do you know, David, I I think of the uh, practical example of the ancient Jewish economy. You know, the ancient Jewish economy had some, I would call them safeguards in that economy that guaranteed that greed, while it might be allowed to run for a particular length of time, there was some safeguards that at the end of certain periods of time, for example, land. Land was something that couldn't be sold in perpetuity. It had to come back to the original owners that, that it was given to. Yeah. Yeah, and same with slaves. Uh, at the end of a period, um, they had to. If they were Hebrew slaves, at the end of that period of time, they were they were freed. Uh, you have the same picture there uh, in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, I believe, with land itself in with crops that uh, you had to let the land stay fallow uh, for a year after after six years, I think mm. it was. Mm. So through through nature, through the environment, God is teaching people that um, you shouldn't be raping and pillage this. Uh, You should be uh, honouring the land. You have to realise that if you respect the land, you will Mm. get plentiful Mm. from it. And there are farmers that follow those practices today and they reap the benefits. You know, one of the things I'm so conscious of is even the the ancient, you know, Hebraic principle of uh, not charging interest. Yes. You know, it's a a remarkable little, um, it's only a little thing within the Hebraic economy. But just imagine if that principle was actually, and this is, a, this is a biblical, an Old Testament principle that was given to the Jewish nation. Just imagine if that was in our world today. If I could lend to my neighbor because they had need, but I couldn't charge them interest. That's right. And, and added to that, if they took someone's cloak, um, they had to return it at the end of the day. Mm. Another one there, Gary, is this. It's the, the seventh-day Sabbath. God wanted to ro- remind humanity that um, it's not about what we get. It's not ultimately about us having to provide for ourselves, but God is a provider. So God says, I want you to take one day out every seven, a specific day, the seventh day, Saturday. We, the Bible calls it the Sabbath. And God is saying, you work six days. You might think that you need to keep working. 
But life is more than continuing to work. Life is more than work. You need to stop. And you need to stop on, on, on sunset on Friday night as if all your work is done mm. and rest. And so God gives us this continual reminder, a weekly reminder saying, you need to rest in me. Don't focus on greed. Don't trust in, in uh, your ability to work, but actually trust in my goodness. Trust in me as a provider and I will take care of you. And that's a really beautiful thought when you think about it, Dave, because what we've actually got here is a God who is saying that I'm actually going to provide for you, but I want you to make sure that you have a holiday every week. You know, if someone said, well, my God has said to me, and I'm so thankful, you know, David, to me probably the greatest blessing that I've had through my entire life is the blessing of the Sabbath. You know, there's nothing nicer than to be able to come to to Friday night because that's when a Sabbath does actually begin. And uh, to be able to put my feet up uh, and to be able to turn off, because I actually turn off my my tech gadgets as well, you know, to be able to turn off my, you know, the, my television and, you know, to be able to say, hey, look, you know, I'm leaving that, um, that behind me. And to be able to um, to just spend time in worship and in fellowship. And do you know what that does is it builds relationship, but it also takes me off the treadmill of getting throughout my entire life. Which, again, is a reminder that um, we don't need to be consumers all the time. God tells us to rest, to take time out. And he's actually saying, this is not about greed. You need to stop. Mm. Stop and realize what is bigger than possessions. Realize that, hey, I'm your Lord. I'm your God. I want to spend time with you on this particular day. Take time out and stop. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting, you know, James 5 gives us a picture of the human condition when it comes to greed. James 5 verses 1 to 6, and this is the Lord's brother. And this is what James says. He says, come now. You rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasures in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud. You were talking about um, not charging interest before. This is not even paying people the right wages. Um they cry out by, back by fraud, cry out, and the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in a day of slaughter. You have condemned, you have murdered the just, and he does not resist you. So this is oppression. Mm-hmm. Um, this is greed. This is selfishness. This will never fix uh, – working on the environment will never fix the ultimate problem, the human condition. And only God can do that. In other words, the human heart is actually opposed. We can put any manner of good policies in place, but policies themselves that are put in place by a person who is uh, maybe greedy at heart will actually only benefit who? That individual. Absolutely. And, or that particular individual's group. You know, one of the biggest challenges here is finding uh, a, a, a system, a process where the, uh, where the world environment uh, can actually, uh, be able to minister to the population that is here. And you know that me, what I'm reading in the scriptures is that uh, 
you started by saying the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Do you know, as I read, for example, Galatians chapter uh, chapter five, and uh, this is a uh, this is a incredibly negative little description, but uh, to me, it's the a great apostle Paul that's talking about it. He's describing what the human heart is actually like. He says this: Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness. Uh, lewdness, uh, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, je- uh, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, uh, revelry, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, which I have told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, you know, I mean, to me, just take one of those, envy. You know, we live in a world today where, uh, do you know, Envy is really the bottom line of so much that's actually in this in this world. I think of the old Ten Commandments. They don't get quoted very much today. No. But, the, but the last commandment is actually concerns coveting. David, what's coveting? I mean, it's an old English word that we don't even use anymore. What is that? Coveting is is desiring something that is doesn't belong to you. And sin, we're told, in James, first starts in, in the heart. You, you have a thought. Uh, it grows. You look at it. Um, you visualize. You picture this as coveting. I want something that doesn't belong to me until it grows into sin, which ultimately leads to death, we're told. Mm. So coveting is desiring that which is not yours, that which you don't have. So in other words, my next door neighbor um, has just purchased a, a brand new car. Um, David, um, you're talking to your neighbor. What is so easy to do? The, the thing that is so easy to do is to wish that was yours so much, isn't it? And, That's and right. You're not paying attention to what your neighbor's saying, and you desire that so much. And there are so many, there, there are crimes that have taken place because of that. Yeah. People have lost their lives over yeah. selfish ambition, over jealousy, over covetousness. It happens with uh, couples, doesn't it? It does. It does, it does. And, and that's the thing. I mean, that, that envy leads you to going inside to your wife. Hey, look, I feel we need to get ourselves a new car. Do you know, that makes huge demands on the environment. It does. And we consume so much more than we ever need. We're a consumeristic culture. Yeah. And again, Jesus told a parable uh, about the, the, the man that stored up um, uh, stored up treasures and possessions, the rich fool in Luke chapter 12. I don't know if you want us to look at that. Yeah, yeah, please. Uh, Luke 12, verses 13. Then one from the crowd said to him, that's Jesus, Teacher, tell tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, that word, Mm -hmm. for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. This is the catch. Mm. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he, said Jesus, who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Mm. So 
again, we have this greed issue. We have covetousness. We have greed. And no doubt back then, here is this farmer, this story, that is storing up treasures for himself while outside people are starving to death. That's right. That's right. And, and, and you get exactly the same picture happening today, don't you? You do. Absolutely. Exactly today. And so greed, consumerism, materialism are the opposite traits and characteristics of a loving God. Yeah. yeah. And, and this is something that even we who are, who are Christians struggle with the same issues. This is, this is not something that we can just simply say, hey, this is those outside of the church. This is something that actually impacts our hearts as well. It does. And so the life of the Christian is a daily and even an hourly surrendering ourselves to Jesus because we are tempted by the same things. Okay, okay. We need a solution. We're going to come to that in a moment. But first, uh, let's come to a, uh, to a song. Love this song, Fountain View, Champion of Love, because the solution is bound up in this champion. Please enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention? I want to introduce to you in this corner of the good and the right Stands a champion robed in white His height exceeds the heavens His weight outweighs the world His reach reaches everywhere His age is ever Yeah. 
Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time. Big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Our co-host today is Pastor David Butcher. And David's the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia. And today we're asking, does the Bible say anything about world environmental issues? And today we're asking one particular question, why won't green political solutions work? Uh, David, what we've been saying is that there is a problem that is central to humanity. But what did Christ mean? Did Christ give us any solutions? I mean, what is the... How do you change thinking patterns? I mean, that's really what's required here is a change of thinking patterns. How do you do that? Well, Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, he said, you must be born again. And Nicodemus says to Jesus, an old man or an older man, and he says, how am I meant to go into my mother's womb a second time? Mm. And Jesus talks about being born of the water and the spirit. It's a renewal. It's a complete renewal that only can come from the Holy Spirit. Uh, We are transformed. And and it comes down to understanding the human condition, that my heart is desperately wicked. That there is nothing good in me, my my or even my good works, the Bible says, are nothing but filthy rags, mm. and so it's this recognition that I have nothing in myself and nothing I can do, nothing that gives me any warrant before God other than accepting Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection and the gift that he gives me. Uh, He takes my filthiness and he makes me clean. In other words, naturally, what I am going to do, left to myself, is I'm going to take advantage of uh, other people and even the environment. I'm going to pillage. I'm going to want to get rich quick because that's what's in my nature. That's right. That's right. There's a beautiful picture I was just thinking, Gary, as we're talking then, in the book of Zechariah, chapter Mm 3. And and in Zechariah chapter 3, we have this picture, and it says, uh, verse 1, Then he showed me, uh, Zechariah's in vision, Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Listen to this. Now Joshua was, was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. We're clothed in sin. Mm. Uh, then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, See, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich robes. Mm. God wants to take our filth. He wants to take the baggage, the sin, the greed, the selfishness, all of those things, and he wants to make us new, clothe us in purity. That's called having a new heart. It is. And God promises to put a new heart within us. He promises to transform us. So when when we realize our human condition, we need to cry out to God. We can't make ourselves be born again we need to ask him to Mm. just like an adult can't go through that birth process again we need to ask god to and we're basically saying god i give up doing this my way i give up and i want Mm. you to take over and that gives god the holy spirit uh, that gives god permission to have the holy spirit 
come into our lives and begin gradually to change us. Mm. And we see that, Gary, in, in the book of, um, of in Galatians. In other words, people's thinking processes can actually be changed. The person who has been covetousness, who has been struggling with just getting stuff for themselves, starts to become generous. That's right. And this is a lifetime work as well. Just like as a Christian, uh, we're no different to someone who is not a Christian. We can be tempted. We can become covetous if we let those things in, if we surrender to those uh, vices, if you like. Mm-hmm. By the same token, we need to continually surrender our choices, our decision-making to God so that he can do his work continually in us. You were going to go to Galatians. Well, I was going to, but I'm going to jump to Hebrews 12 first. Sure. Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2, and then we'll go to Galatians. Therefore, the apostle Paul says, therefore we also, since we are... No, that's wrong. That's Hebrews. Um, after Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Bear with me, people. My apologies, Gary. And verse 1 and 2, probably. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. That is it. Okay. Thank you, David. I preached on Hebrews 12 last week. I thought you had something new for me there. (laughs) Changing the scripture. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And listen to this. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Mm. So the Apostle Paul is saying, don't be conformed to the world. And at the moment, with all of these various movements, they want everyone to be conformed. Mm. Mm. Now, there are some things we should be, Mm. but don't be conformed to the world, but instead... The apostle says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We can't do that, but the Holy Spirit can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's an important point. In fact, I'll just go to Philippians chapter 2 because to me, Philippians chapter 2 is probably one of the most sublime uh, texts in the entire entire scriptures it uh, it says this philippians chapter 2 and it's actually verse 3 let nothing be done through selfish ambition you know if you took selfish ambition out of the equation in all of our lives uh, suddenly a lot of the striving and the uh, and the consumerism and the uh, and the grabbing after materialism suddenly disappears. And we wouldn't have problems with the environment. And you wouldn't have problems with the environment. Keep going, Gary. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. By the way, David, what would that actually do for the current um, conflict that we're finding in America? You know, Black Lives Matter, of course they do, because what the scriptures actually say is, please, uh, consider others, no matter of what Whatever race, consider them to be different, to be to be better, is what it says, than yourself. Absolutely. And then as you go on there, it gives you the model. It does. It does. Get, dig into this model for us, David. Yeah. Um, uh, we'll jump to verse 5, unless you want to go no, back. No, 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 no. That's fine. Verse 5. Let this mind be in you. Remember, Paul talked about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Yeah. So here in Philippians, he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. This is our model. Mm. Who being in the form of God, 
In other words, who considered himself to be equal with God, Paul says, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, a slave, if you like, and coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Let this mind be in you. In other words, as Christ was, as Christ thinks, so I want each believer to think in a similar vein. And so as we surrender ourselves or give ourselves to God and say, God, have your way in me, the Holy Spirit begins to change our thoughts, our passions, our desires. He humbles our hearts. And this is what Jesus did. He humbled himself. Here is God, the king of the universe, who becomes a slave, if you like, born into his own creation. You don't get much more humble than that. And suddenly the striving to get more junk suddenly starts to dissipate so that you're able to live. And I think, Gary, part of that comes down to God says to lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Seek the kingdom of God first, and all these things will be added unto you. In Matthew 6, Jesus says, don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink or what you're going to wear. They're the things that uh, those who don't follow Jesus worry about. Yeah, yeah. So that's why... The first issue is the human condition. Yeah. When we surrender ourselves to God and allow Jesus to work in our hearts, he is able to transform us. When we are looking to heaven, seeking those heavenly things first, we become transformed. Yeah. That's when there can be a difference in the environment. Yeah. David, let's go to some music. Uh, this is uh, the Easter hymns band. This is From Heaven You Came. It's called The Servant King. From heaven you came, help us This is our God, the servant king. 
You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary. Our, host, uh, our co-host today is Pastor David David Butcher, and uh, he's president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia. And today we're talking, does the Bible say anything about world environmental issues? Uh, David, just bring it together. You know, I'm so conscious that we started this uh, this session by sharing uh, something that had been written. It uh, it said this: one aspect of our behaviour is relatively benign. We want to make our lives more comfortable and more pleasant. However, there's a more sinister aspect of human nature reflected in greed and hatred, selfishness, lack of cooperation, revenge, fighting, evil doing, and pleasure in helping others. That really. Is the, is the huge challenge with so many political solutions. They don't cater for this. No, what, they we're, don't. what we're saying is that there's another way, a better way. What is it? This is the way of being transformed by the renewing of your minds. Romans 12. And if I just touch on a few verses further down, verse 9 of Romans 12 says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another. With brotherly love, in honour, giving preference to one another. Further on in verse 14 of chapter 12, he says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil, but repay them with good. So this is the message that we can be transformed when we give our hearts to God. Mm, that's powerful, isn't it? That's and I think that answers that last point you were making. I, I think it does. I, this is where Scripture is saying, hey, guys, you need to have your heart, your mind transformed. Then you will be equipped to be able to deal with issues such as the environment and, and the world in which we live. And if we do them the wrong way, it's just a Band-Aid. Indeed, indeed. David, please have pray for us. Father in heaven, we want to acknowledge that you own all things. You own the earth. You made it. You're the creator God. You want it cared for, Lord. But ultimately, its degradation is a result of sin and selfishness, Lord, and that originates in our hearts, Lord. Father, change us, and I pray for everyone listening, Father, that, that they might invite you continually into their hearts to change and transform them, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, folks, it does look like that our time is up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and David Butcher on Drive Time Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when we dig into this subject from the Bible when we're going to ask Helen Gray, dig more into this solution 
that is presented by the Scriptures. We really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May God richly bless you. Please enjoy Bill and Gloria Gaither because he lives. How sweet to hold our newborn baby and feel the pride and the joy that he gives. But greater still The calm assurance We can face uncertain days I don't care what the headlines on CNN say tomorrow We can face uncertain days Sing with us because he lives. Oh, that's good. And because he lives. 